I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And this is The Food Fight, a frank discussion of food culture featuring Australia's top chefs, producers and experts. We'll chat about real issues and go places others won't. This podcast travels throughout the country and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we gather and speak. And we pay respect to elders, past, present and emerging. This episode I chat with Fraser Bailey from Old Mill Road Bio Farm in Tallinja on the south coast of New South Wales. We chat about the realities of small-scale veggie farming and how you can do it successfully, about changing people's eating habits to embracing local chemical-free produce, about incorporating growing into a lifestyle and a bunch of other thoughts about what might make for a healthier food system. I mean, we're looking out onto this beautiful, beautiful little patch um, out towards the, the ranges sort of near Churros. Do you want to tell us about exactly where we are and your farm and stuff, Fraser, to start with? Yep. Thanks, Steph. Um, we are in a little village, I think, called uh, Talinja, which has no shop or anything. It's just a group of houses. Um, we have 65 acres here and we use about a two-acre paddock to grow vegetables. Um, for different markets, but mostly direct sales through a farmer's market. And in summertime, we um, sell via a box subscription directly to households. Okay. And let's, let's, let's start from the start. Yes. How, how did you get into farming? When did you start? How did you get into it? Uh, we moved here in 2002, and that was uh, uh, because this was bought as a family farm and we had nowhere to stay at the time, so we came to look after it. Um, and in, over the years, I was working away a fair bit. Kirsty was still working in Sydney um, and would come down on weekends. And um, it evolved over time. We, we needed an income, so we had some vegetables um, in our backyard and then that was well received it's kind of evolved over over years there's no we've not really set out to be farmers but it's kind of we're here now and we've been doing it for 15 years mm. so as you say so tell us a bit about the evolution like we've got some time yep. so okay you literally just were sort of growing veggies here and then and then one day thought let's let's try to sell some of them at the markets and see what happens yeah, okay, well, if we go on, I'm go in a bit more detail. We sort of, this, you can see looking out how undulating um, the property is. It's really got lots of, lots of nice aspects and it's fairly close to town. So we initially thought that we might develop some sort of agritourism business. Um, and in my naivety, uh, I went to council um, looking at, at that 
and they put me into a box called a tourist recreational facility or something like that, which probably wasn't what we wanted to be. Um, but regardless, we went down a process and, and um, it all ended up being a bit too much and sucked all our money, actually, the process for div- obtaining a DA for a, a tourism business. Um, but as part of that uh, process what was required for tourists to come here was an activity and part of that activity where well, I had a list of activities but part of one of them was like a fancy vegetable patch which had you know sweeping paths and um, chickens and all sorts of fruit trees and so we had that because while I was waiting for you know bureaucracy to do its thing um, I spent time developing that so and that was cool. It was fun, and we had kids at the same time. And and then um, we, when we decided to pull the pin on the tourism venture, we thought, oh well, we've got this vegetable patch, and we've got all this food. We may as well start taking that to markets. And that's and so we did that. And that, that first week, we earned three hundred fifty bucks or something. And it was like, oh cool, you know, that's yeah. like a, <laughs> and it wasn't much. It didn't seem like much anyway. Well, actually, to us, it seemed like a lot. But now, in hindsight, it wasn't very much. Um, well, you weren't really you, you, we weren't really trying that hard at no, the start to make no, it wasn't that, our focus. To make money. It was kind of like a side <laughs> thing. And then yeah. uh, the next the next week we did the same, but then the week after that, we had not much to sell. And so, and then obviously you get curious and think, oh, how does how does everyone do that? Like week to week, like how do you produce food on the like? Uh, so you got you know the same or more every week, and the diversity and all that kind of stuff. And then that sort of you know. I can't help myself. I sort of go down that kind of path and read and talk to people and think, oh, "I'll try that. I'll try that," and then you end up here. Yeah, right. You know, so, what was the so what was the later. kind of what was the, the 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 process then? Like, so you went from not not having much to sell the following week, and then and then you sort of go down this down this rabbit warren of of how to produce enough and enough to to sell on a weekly basis and and look at making an income. Like, how long before like how long until you were like because at some point you you had to have thought well if we're going to do this seriously we need to think about being able to make consistent cash flow and 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 running this as a business that's going to support our family so like how long between that first 350 dollar day we did you sort of come to a decision all right well we're going to be farmers yeah, I I don't have a moment. I can't pinpoint one anyway. It's kind of just it is an evolution. Like the garden is, you can see it's not. It's like it's like a house garden except bigger. Yeah. Um. So it is a bit ramshackle. It's not uniform. I'd probably if I was starting again, I'd make it way more uniform. Um. Less infrastructure in the middle of it all. Um. I'd probably put it in the front paddock in a completely different paddock but anyway we've got what we've got and so you we kind of just always tweaking it up but i haven't had another job so some years i went especially early on when we needed money for infrastructure i'd go away and work um what were you doing uh logistics and coordination for big um like uh high hazard facility shut down turnaround and inspections they're called they you turn a a big, let's say, a gas train, you might turn that off um, and it loses $2 million bucks every day. It's not on. So you, they, they want to throw a big workforce and tooling and everything has to be there. And 
you know, there's all sorts of contingencies. If they pull a valve out, what um, if it needs replacing, where are you going to get it from in short order or have it on the shelf? Yeah, Can you right. afford to have it on the shelf? Anyway, I've worked for dudes that do that. Yeah, okay, cool. And um, So that was your little, that was your little um, yeah, money-making was, side yeah. hustle like to get you through at yeah. the start. Yeah, and it can be quite lucrative because you're working big days for long, like a, it might be eight weeks, yeah. 14 hours a day. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you do all right. So FIFO basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And there's all sorts of little jobs you can do. And like the ideal jobs are eight-day jobs. I'd do them if I yeah. still do them if we could, but yeah. they're so rare. Yeah. Anyway, the um, regardless, I haven't done that work for, I don't even know, mate, maybe eight years, seven, yeah. eight, nine years, something. And that probably, I'd say when I just when I come back from the last one of those jobs and thought, like, I don't, I'm not going to do that again, um, that's probably the, that's probably the, a tipping point where say okay well this has got to stand up on its own two feet mm. how much how much were you enjoying that process of, of of building and learning and establishing and you know putting infrastructure in place and stuff like that at the start like was it chaos or was it yeah, no, interesting it's, it's still chaos but it is also interesting yeah. you know it's um it is it's very the way we do it. I mean, if you were to be a potato farmer or a you know a, a leek farmer or something that you just concentrate on something for a wholesale market in Sydney, then you're really stripping things back to make to simplify them. And you can do that. You know, you could do that well organically and regeneratively and all that. But um, um, we've just decided not to do that. We've decided to sell food, good food, to our community. Mm. Was um, that a, was that a intentional decision from the start? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was kind of like we we are eating this really good food, and you know, flavor has always been part of my life. Anyway, you know, I'm really always you know, if I go overseas, is to eat something, something, yeah. you know, and some, and so that flavor has always been there as a focus. And when you eat a lot of your own food, you, like it's like essentially backyard produce, you realize how how delicious it is. Yeah, and then. Uh, so early on when we were also buying stuff from the shops, you're kind of like, well, this is really flavourless. And so, you know, that was our focus is that people should be able to in, enjoy that that flavour. Mm. Do you think that with the way that most people shop now, unfortunately, at mm. supermarkets and mm. not seasonally, do you think that people have lost this attention to the flavor of vegetables yeah I, I i do think so not not obviously not everyone but um in the the majority of people dinner now has become like a an afterthought like there's all the other stuff in the day mm. you know like you've got to pay your bills and you've got to get the kids to soccer and you've got to you know do all the things that need to be done to to maintain your life and dinner's kind of something that you wedge in there mm. rather than a, a focus and because because the miracle of the supermarket means you can get whatever you want whenever you want it, your skill in the kitchen doesn't necessarily need to be be as developed anymore. You know, because you, mm. you can have you can make yourself meat and three veg out of whatever. Um, you can make a pasta or whatever from you know just off the shelf, really. Mm. Um, Whereas when if you're limited by the seasons and what's actually coming out, you have to be way more creative and you have to have a bit more uh, food knowledge. You know, you need to know that uh, the flavour of cabbage goes well with 
garlic and leek because that's what you got, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, and you know, if you want to add uh, a protein to that, then pork's probably the best choice, you know. Um, so you're going through that sort of, the, and when the when the the um, produce is on at its peak time, it's just a different experience, you know. So mm. it's so delicious, you know. And and honestly, for your health, you feel good as well, mm. and you eat less, way less. Mm. The something that I've noticed is like, and and sort of the reason why I asked that question, I'm like, you know, have been massively into food my whole life, and mm. I, you know, hang around, hang out with chefs and and all that sort of thing, people that have an understanding of what good produce is. But a lot of other people that I hang out with don't necessarily pay attention to the flavor of stuff and um, you know have a lot have a lot to learn when it comes to food and cooking and and all these sorts of things and sometimes I'll I'll cook the simplest dish mm. with a good piece of produce and everyone's like wow and like an example of this is the other night my partner made pumpkin soup yeah and it was delicious yeah and like in a similar instance, I've been with friends and they're like, wow, this this cauliflower soup is absolutely delicious. Yeah. I didn't know it could be so good. And it's just like some onions and garlic and cauliflower and stock and, and that's kind of it. And you're like, do you know why? Yeah. It's because it's a good fucking cauliflower. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you've, you've just gotten used to – and it's the same when I make it – every, every summer, I mean, bloody every fortnight, I'll make a caprese salad because I love tomatoes so much. Yeah. And – People are like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever, and it's like it's just tomatoes and basil and stuff. It's yeah. just that they're really good, and I, I don't go to Coles and yep. buy the cheapest possible tomato. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and that flavour really shines through in simple in simple cooking, you know. And that's uh, that's the other thing we can we can do. We can add, you know, all the salts and the sugars and the fats just to you know up up the up the appeal of a of yeah. a dish. But when you strip all that right away and just use a bit of salt and the vegetables. Um, you know, you're on a whole new, you're yeah. on a whole new playing field. Yeah. You know? and it's amazing how how full of flavour something that's just got four ingredients in it can be. You know, mm. and it's what I find a lot of, and you you've probably seen this over the years as well. Is there's so much, it's so rewarding and so satisfying to watch people have that little awakening when yep. it comes to like when people start shopping at a farmer's market or start buying a veggie box or instead of going to the supermarket, they seek out their local grocer and, and, and learn a bit about seasonality and seek out high quality produce. When they when that transformation sort of happens yep. and not only is their cooking stepped up but their whole sort of knowledge and, and getting into that world, it's so satisfying seeing people yep. find that. And we, we do get that feedback from time to time with with our boss customers because we uh, the when we do a boss subscription that um, we start that in about October and it finishes around May. Um, the customers get delivered to their door a box of our picking. We they pay whatever it is they pay thirty five or fifty dollars depending on the size of the box, and um, we put the best produce in there. And the feedback we get. A lot of people now are used to that, but early on, and and we still get new customers, obviously. But they um, they say this is the kind of cooking I want to do, that I've never known really how to do it. Like it's just it's the same as having a backyard garden. You just get the food turns up, and you've got to do something with it. Mm. Otherwise, you're throwing it out, mm. and no one wants to throw good food out, especially if they've got a connection with the grower. It's kind of like a insult to us that they would throw out whatever we turn whatever we give them, mm. and so then they're forced to learn it's not hard you got the google machine now you just sort of say what do i do with beetroot 
Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it gives you something. Yeah. And then you can and you can play around as much as you like with that. And that becomes an activity in itself, which is enjoyable, you know. It's that it is slowing down a little bit and just enjoying this simplicity of stuff. And uh, and in that is got flavor and health and how good. Yeah. Mm. Do you, how do like what's the what's the converse of that when it comes to trying to sell boxes to to people who want out of season stuff and yeah, that's, consistency and stuff. Yeah, that's that's there are people that look at what we do for that box subscription as a convenience thing. They don't have to go to the supermarket, um, but they're also the type of people that want that if they go to the shop they buy the same stuff every week and i used mm. to be that person as well you know in, in in another life when you don't know anything anything i'll get the same things every week i'd get zucchini a, a red and a green pepper a leek a fennel bulb a broccoli head and i'd get that you know mm. week in week out 52 weeks of the year mm. that's because you're familiar with that stuff bananas bananas yeah. every week and you know what to do with yeah. it and so you get you, you build your habits and so it's quite confronting to people when we turn up with a box of what we pick them, which is the best of what we've got in season. And it's not, it's definitely not habitual, you know, it's going to be different and you, and you might get something you've got no idea what to do with. Um, you know, we just looked down there in the patch at the spigarillo that's been eaten by the bowbirds, but the spigarillo is kind of like, you know, most people are going to say, what, what's that? What do I do with it? Is it kale? Um, you know, and all yeah. that, and and then it becomes a bit challenging, and especially and people got busy lives. I get it. You know, you, you like to be thrown another challenge in the week is kind of a bit a bridge too far sometimes. But mm. but um, you know, we can't feed everyone. We just got to sort of. I guess it's a uh, people. Uh, what we do appeals to a certain type of person, and that's just how it, it has to be. You know, mm. how do you how do you see it? I mean, I feel like there's this constant, um, you know, there's this there's this little battle that I see. I mean, if you imagine sort of the the the, the busy and convenient side of things, like everyone's everyone's busy and everyone's looking for convenience on one side, mm-hmm. and then on the other side, I see people looking for organic, looking to connect more with nature a little bit and and learn and eat seasonally and people are beginning to understand the damage that we've done to our land Mm. and and how and why it needs to be improved and all those sorts of things so so you see that on one side and then you see hello fresh and like what whatever anyone can do to try to make dinner as easy as possible as easy yeah. as bloody possible without yeah. it necessarily just being Putting like a, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like uber eats and all the rest of it yeah like yeah it is definitely a battle i think what you know there's definitely a reaction to that like a to that life you know a lot of people realize that my life is so busy and i've lost this connection with all these things and sometimes people come to us and that's a reaction to that you know it's like I, I need to slow down i need to know my grower i need to eat healthier food that's not been sprayed with chemicals and with good ethos um and it's it's pretty easy to do that you know you just got to buy the vegetables but also it, it it's it's challenging and because it does need effort and it needs skill and knowledge or it needs you to invest in yourself a bit mm. um and that that is I mean, a lot of people just don't have the time to invest in themselves. They're just caught in this spiral, mm. you know. And so, it becomes the convenience is definitely a thing. Like, 
we've, we're all used to it. We're so used to convenience. You know, we press a button, the light comes on. How convenient is that? Yeah. You know, and we we flick a switch and there's there's instant gas cooking our, our, our fry pan. You know, it's it's like super convenient. Our life mm. is convenient. Like it's good. Um, but I guess you because of that convenience everyone sort of takes on more to do things to do more you know and i think mm. you know what i've learned for, for our lives here is trying to strip it back is trying to simplify life as much as possible is very rewarding mm. for, th- for all sorts for your for your personal mental health everything health you mm. know? it's 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 just a weird and fascinating world that we live in because no, yeah, at, at the same yeah exactly at the same time that at the same time that people are complaining about how busy they are and and ordering Uber Eats four nights a week and whatever it is, it's it's also sort of like, you know, sharing inspirational quotes about how simplicity is the key to life yeah. and and all those sorts of things. But the interesting thing is is that that type of simplicity and stripping things back and 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 the thing and the things that we really all know we should pay attention to like i, I, I was talking to a, a a friend and colleague the other day and he, he's a big twitter guy and he tweeted something along the lines of physical exercise connection with nature less time on digital devices less time on social media more time with friends and family mm. sounds really simple yeah. yet it's the toughest task for any of us to yep. accomplish in the yep. world. And we all know that that's what we need to be doing, yet it's next to impossible. Yeah. For it's hard. most I mean, people. The, the structure is the structure well the way we've structured our all our lives is 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 high pace, you know, and it has mm. to be and luxury and and convenience and all these things to go against that is definitely swimming against the tide. Mm. Um and it's also confronting for a lot of people, I guess, to really strip down and figure out what your core values of life are. What do you hold to be very important? And what's the what's the things you can condo out of your life, you know? Like mm-hmm. get really what gives you joy, what doesn't give you joy like, you know, you could get rid of some stuff. Mm-hmm. And that when you've spent like the last thirty years of your life getting stuff to be confronted with the idea that you got to give it, maybe get rid of it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is uh, kind of like, oh wow, you know. And plus the expectations of your peers and everything that you're working with, you know, you, you you're in a groove, man. And there's like, you got you've built all these habits, and habits are really hard to change. You know, you got to re- you've really got to uh, adjust your habit to taking more time and and spending less money mm. and stripping back and maybe just doing making do with an iPhone 5 and yeah. <laughs> um, a shitty old ute. Yeah. The but funny thing about that as well is that in order to, in order to do that, you, you're, you're adding something to your schedule, yeah. which is like, I mean, and it's, it's one of the hardest things because if, like, people, people need to be forced to take a step back, like take a couple of days off and then assess what they really want in this world mm. and and that takes time to and 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 to fi- actually figure out a plan of how to get there and yeah. stuff like that and like when you're when you're sort of you know in the groove it's pretty hard to add that to your to your list of things to yeah, do that, you know that actually is is and I get that too cuz i i actually part of my winter holiday program was to take a week off by myself out in the desert somewhere and just have that space to to um you know, contemplate stuff. Mm. 
Um, it sounds a bit hippie, but you know, in in the day to day, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and 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 books and things, and you hear something, and you think, oh yeah, I want to investigate that a bit more. Um, but in your day, there's no no chance to, you know. So mm. you you shelve it away, or you put it away in your head, or write it down in your notebook. Um, and I'll come back to that. I want to explore that idea around whatever it is a bit more. Um, even some things like um, garden technical knowledge. I hear something on a an, on a on a podcast that might be about soil chemistry. I think, oh, that's interesting. That sort of sparks a few thoughts, and then I want to go back and examine that. But there's just no time in your day to do it. Yeah, and so that is, I get that it's hard, but I mean that's. I mean, we are, we're capable of it. We just got to make it happen. Everyone's got to, and that's, this is for every individual, right? You can't, you know, be telling everyone you need to, you need to turn this around. Yeah. You kind of got to, just got to do what you can do. And hopefully that, um, people see that and think, oh, what's, they got something going on, you know, what, what are they, how have they stripped their life back? And maybe it sort of flows on from that, perhaps. I yeah. Yeah. You just got to do what you do, right? Yeah. So then let's bring it back to the food. Yes. Um, how do you try to try to – because I think like with a, with a lot of people, whether it's veggie box customers, prospective veggie box customers or people at a farmer's market, customers at a farmer's market, yep. how do you try to sort of add a little touch of, you know – this is this is what we do. Like if people are a little bit resistant, saying, "Oh, like in you know this time of year in in August, saying, oh, do you got any tomatoes or you got any strawberries or whatever it might be,' um, like do you do you try to inject a little bit of that? Like oh, like you'll find it really rewarding if you if you if you take this veggie box and you learn how to cook these ingredients. Or I, you used to. I don't know if you still do, you put recipes in with your veggie boxes and yep. that sort of thing. Yeah, mostly we do that in. Uh, well, we used to. I've been a bit slack this last summer just because this last summer was pretty hectic with with rain and hail and post and COVID and all the things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I like I like to include like we get we give the customers a heads up in what's in the box. So um, or maybe on a Monday we deliver on a Friday, and maybe on a Monday we send out a a newsletter that's real simple and says this is what you got in the box this week and there might be an odd ingredient in there like celeriac and so i will send them a couple of real simple Mm. like how how i would do it just like Mm. just uh you know like a basic jamie oliver recipe or something Mm. like that you just think this is real simple you'll enjoy it um and then I might add a, put another link to something that's a bit more complex for the more advanced sort of cooks. Yeah, okay. Um, at the farmer's market is a different kind of game. People got their shopping list. They come in July and say, have you got tomatoes? And I say, no. And that's just a process of saying, look, we plant them now. We go there. Like if you're buying tomatoes at the shop, they're coming from Roma, Queensland. or And it's not to beat them over the head. It's just, it's just information and say, look, mm. that's what, you know, and they'll go, oh, right, that's interesting. I didn't know or, oh, no, I don't care. I'll go to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's not – I don't want to be – you know, we just do what we do and we try and encourage people to yeah. enjoy what, what we have. Yeah. We have had a customer at market, so it was a full stall and he had a list and we had nothing that was on his list. <laughs> 
And he said, oh, you don't have much, do you? And I was like, oh, <laughs> even the customers <laughs> were behind him were looking like, well, mate, what, what, what don't you see there? Like, it's full. Yeah. It's like a shop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's full <laughs> of all the produce yeah. that's coming out of the ground right now. Yeah, but what he didn't, whether he'd been given a list or he'd made the list off a recipe book, he, he couldn't see what he was after. So it was disappointing for him. But um, that's, that is a big mind shift. You can't, you're not going to change that. Mm. Um overnight and just going back to jamie oliver there I, I could see what he was trying to do with his whole gig i mean you know everyone's a bit upset by jamie oliver signing up with the supermarkets but i can see like to get people down to the farmer's market if they're shopping in the frozen pizza aisle is like it's massive that's yeah. a massive step yeah it's it's too too far you've got to get them out of the frozen aisle into the tin aisle and then from the tin aisle into the fresh produce yeah, aisle. Yeah. And then once they're in there, then you can probably drag them out a little bit by little bit to a farmer's market or to a or, or to a, an alternative grocer or something like that. Mm. Or to go to the butcher, you know. That would probably that'd be the first step. Right? Yeah. Just get – don't buy the meat from there. Mm. Get your packet sauce or whatever and your noodles and then go to the butcher and get strip beef or whatever. Mm. You know, and that sort of gets them out of the habit of buying a – frozen lasagna mm. yeah it's a that's it's, massive for people that's gonna that's like a years long process to yeah. get them from there just to the green section yeah it's 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 interesting um i think we forget i think a lot of people and especially people who sort of listen to this podcast forget that there is a huge population of people out there who literally their food comes from the frozen yeah. frozen aisle yeah and that's and that's how that's what food is that is what food is and that's I mean, it's sad in one way, and it's like it, 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 there's lots of factors that that f- inform that decision, mm. um, and you can't be hard on people. You just got to say, well, this just maybe, you know, you got to coax them out of there somehow. You know, and I don't know how. I'm not expert in that. We just do what we do, and mm. hopefully, people come along for the ride. But mm. um, I mean, and we're still doing it, so people must be. But it's always. You know, it's hard to sort of say stop eating that crap and eat good food without being judgmental. You know, and that's mm. that's the last thing those pe- the people that are shopping in the frozen food aisle. The last thing they need is judgment. You know, they mm. need encouragement, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah that that's an interesting point about judgment. And that's one of the um that that's where sort of it comes back to flavor a lot of the time for yeah. me because it's like if you if you can sell someone something on flavor yeah. rather than it's better for the environment it's better for the economics of your local community because it's putting money back yeah. into the pockets of the blah 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 yeah, it's like yeah, here yeah. just buy this because it tastes better yeah it's an easier sell a lot of the time that's exactly right and that's we i learned that years ago when we used to do saturday markets is that you know our point of difference we because to get into that market, we had to have a point of difference to the other uh, vegetable sellers there. And so our point of difference was that we were we didn't use any synthetic chemicals or pesticides or herbicides or anything like that, um, which most people just translate to being organic, which I'm okay with, but um, however they see it, right? But we had a couple early, we had a couple of older ladies as customers and they say, ah, oh, we don't care about that organic bullshit. We just like your food because it tastes good. Mm. And it lasts all week in the fridge, you know. Yeah. And that, so there, that is, that is the selling point. It mm. tastes good. It's got a good flavour, and it it lasts. It doesn't go soggy after a day. Yeah, you know. And they, we, we were at that time probably more expensive than the supermarket. We're probably cheaper or on par now. Um, 
but they old ladies on a pension were prepared to spend more money because not because it was chemical free or anything or that we had a good ethos about our practice it was because it tastes good and it was fresh yeah so that i reckon is where it's at that's where you got to that's your point there's your point of difference yeah totally and some things um are clear standouts you know carrots are one um we don't do for the meat eaters out there you can tell the difference between a farmhouse rooster and a charcoal chicken is like miles yeah um other things that are really good flavor is that like ice like supermarket iceberg yeah an iceberg that you grow with a little bit of stress that they get really salty and crisp and uh, they're like the people will go oh, i don't eat iceberg it's just water but when they have one of our icebergs they go oh my god what is this this yeah. is like it actually has flavor and texture and so the it's you got some easy things to do um but you know there's stuff that's hard like to sell like an onion you know you and i probably would appreciate the nuance of an onion but most people just chop it up and add it mm. when they're cooking their base you know yeah um so we have to charge five or six dollars a kilo for onions because they're, they take forever and they're pretty laboring they're pretty simple to grow but they just take a long time and you've got to get your curing right and all that whereas you know mass-produced onions we can buy like two kilo bag for not much money right? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah so there's onions are a harder sell but some things are easier to sell but mm. we like to grow all the things because that's how we eat so you know some things we have to take a hit on yeah yeah it's interesting eh? Yeah. like just talk like I, I used to you know live in group house in in Wollongong and whatever when I was a bit younger and and I remember my housemate would always buy we share food and he'd always buy the cheapest tomatoes yeah and they just tasted like nothing like yeah. nothing and I I said to him one day I was like can, can we just like can you just eat a piece of that tomato and just tell me like if you think that actually tastes good yeah and because I'd probably I think I had another tomato there and just tasted the difference yeah. and he was like yeah this one's heaps better and it's like yeah don't go to Coles and buy the cheapest tomato just buy that like at least if you're at the supermarket buy one with a truss on it or buy like you know buy the better ones that you can and then and then like from then on again sold on the flavor like yeah. and that's and that's and that's you know winning one of those tiny little battles of someone who's not going to ever shop at a farmer's market but will will sort of change that habit in the veggie aisle yeah and at, there's, at the there's um, that that comes into a value proposition that a lot of people don't probably focus on we do because you know because we're limited financial resources value is a thing for us right so the but you can spend i don't know four dollars on a bunch of our carrots and the kids will eat them and you'll eat them you'll eat two of them while you're chopping one up for dinner because they're so tasty but you can buy a bag a two kilo bag of real average carrots for three bucks that you're not even going to get any joy out of um they'll fill a hole in a in a meal you'll end up throwing half of them away because they're soggy and moldy at the bottom of the fridge so you know where, where sort of value do you get out of mm. out of that it's it's cheaper for sure but you know your life is less for it you mm. know you get more you spend a little bit more you get a whole lot more mm. value out of that Mm. I, you know, I, so that's what's sort of where we focus on is, is value, probably. How do you like? I mean, you just mentioned then putting putting iceberg under a bit of stress to to intensify the flavour and yeah. things like that. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about how you 
have come to learn over the years and 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 the some of the things that you use in order to use the resources that you've got at hand and the techniques that you've got at hand to add that flavor value to yep. to your veggies yep once i mean firstly you get to know a patch so i get to know this patch quite well and you just observe things over over time and might, what might work here in this heavy clay soil and exposed position might not work in a sandy soil that's more sheltered. Um, but you do notice mostly by accident things like you forgot to water something or um, you've probably crowded things a bit too much. Um, you notice because the plant's a bit stressed but then you taste it and go, oh my God, what's going on here? This is like really good. Um, so you sort of adjust the planting schedule to fit maybe so they're not so stressed but because um, there's a fine line you can yeah. obviously most pest and disease problems come from some sort of stress whether it's moisture stress uh, fertility stress climate stress um, any number of things um, that even wind daylight hours there's all sorts of variables that um, that come into play when you're growing in a field that that affects the plant's health and also affects the plant's flavour. Um, you know, tomatoes are a great example because you don't you, if if you pick them twice a week like we do, you water them after you've harvested them. So if you water them, and you'll know this from a hydroponic tomato, the moisture content's up, um, so they've got a nice weight to them, but they don't really taste as much. Mm. But if you shut the water off for three or four days. And they, the the fruit concentrates. Um, moisture is in the plant, comes out of the fruit. The fruit concentrates the flavour, and you end up with this, like a tomato that tastes great. Mm. Um, little things like that, you know, you just sort of learn along the way, mostly by accident because you forgot to water something, or you mm. you know forgot to feed something, or you crowded them in too much, or you let the weeds get away from them when they're in competition with something else. Um, but that's just, or you've let things go too long, and that can have the opposite effect. Or you can, you know, things can get real bitter mm. and horrible, mm. um, or lose their texture. And if you, so you just learn that stuff mm. within a particular patch and in the particular conditions. Do you reckon you? Um, do you reckon you've got like your little techniques for almost everything you grow when it comes to enhancing the flavor to to the max? You try to. But, I mean, you're at the mercy of the weather as well. So, you know that if you get too much like rain at a certain time of year, then, you know, you're not going to get what you're hoping for mm. out of a particular crop. Um, each year, because we grow a variety of stuff, and we're always putting a, th a couple of extra trials in, but every year is different, you know. So, you kind of, some years, the spinach is awesome. Yeah. You know, um, and other years, it's just not that great. You know, and you, you're always looking for the why. And the, it, it is hard because there's so many variables. It could have been that the winter was a bit milder and a bit drier or a bit wetter or the, you know, the trees grew up and put a bit more shade on things than, and so chop them down, try that. And everything takes a year to sort of get, like if something goes wrong, or you suspect something's gone wrong, then to try the remedy, you've got to wait for next year to see if your suspicion was correct or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What do you do to icebergs just out of interest? 
Oh, we just grow them. They like it hot, you know. And sometimes you think, well, I, I want to have a lettuce in spring or something. The icebergs just like it hot. They like hot weather. Right. And you, and that might be a variety thing because like there's a hundred different varieties of iceberg you can get um, for seed. But we, you know, we know the seed we like and the sauce we like, and that particular iceberg just likes hot weather. Yeah. And you can't stop them either. You got to, you can't stress them too much. You can stress them a little bit around harvest. Um, they like a fairly minerally rich soil. Um, but they also like their roots. They so like fluffy soil because they want to get their roots in. You know, they're kind of a little bit tricky, but not that. They're not that hard. They're, yeah. Okay. They, you know, we've got like I said, it's our patch. You know, our soil is very heavy. It's a little bit rocky. Um, if it gets too wet, they don't like it. But you, they got to. You can't let them dry out either. So. You know, you kind of just always. That's, I mean, that's a big part of our job, really, is just being in the field monitoring things. Mm. Just you know, and you do that mostly when you're cultivating, which just means I run a hoe up and down a row to chip the weeds out, and you, you're sort of tasting as you go and looking at the plant. You know, mm. and because you're in the conditions, you're experiencing it. You like you think, oh, they're looking a bit shit, but it is a forty degree day and the wind's blowing <laughs> real hard. So, mm. you know, maybe I'll water them tonight and see what that looks like tomorrow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you, sort of going back to, you know, this movement towards, you know, people understanding flavour, understanding, you know, what it, for, what eating veggies like yours does for your health and, and also for the environment. Yep. How have you seen that develop? Uh, over the the last fifteen years since you've been selling veggies, do you think that there's a genuine movement and and you know force in the in in the right direction that's gonna gonna create some sort of tangible 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 change? Oh, uh, short answer is yes, but whether that happens in a time frame that you'd like to see, I'm not sure. Mm. Um. Definitely, since we started, and it's not been that long. Let's say, let's say, fifteen years. Um, the awareness of people around the ethics of food has probably grown a lot, which has sort of played itself out as a reaction in the vegan movement, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of that industrial farming manifests itself in in livestock production in real, real ugly ways. You know, mm. um, so. But industrial farming on any scale is is going to have an impact, and you know we are, regardless of what people's viewpoints are on climate. There's no like you know, the deniers have sort of put a fair bit of speculation around that. But you cannot speculate or deny the effects we as a species are having on the planet as a whole, and it's and it's um systems we're getting you know you, the biodiversity loss is measured the, the animals are going animal species are going extinct is a fact you know you can't deny any of those things so and and people get sad by that when you hear about a a dunart or something that you don't even know what it is you see a little cute picture of it on the tv mm. and say they're not there anymore because you guys eat soybeans or or soybeans get shipped off to feed cattle in another country is kind of like it's kind of confronting, you know. Yeah. You think, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to try and eat better. And a lot of people just don't know what that means because we are very disconnected, especially city people are so so far removed from 
the reality of how food is produced. But, uh, but there's definitely a tangible feeling that they want to be more connected. Mm. It's just probably not so easy. Urban farming's playing a big role in that regard, I reckon. Yeah. You know, in, uh, when people can go to a patch and, and walk past it on their way to work or the way to the bus stop or whatever and they can see there's something happening, they, they definitely want to be engaged with it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely something maybe even primal, you know, that we, want, we see that and go, oh, yeah, oh, no, there's something that looks um, a bit more natural mm. to, to my eye or there's something going on there that I want to, I want to engage with. And, and, and I learned from a guy ages ago, he, he, he had a backyard garden and it was all herb spirals and permaculture and, and people just couldn't identify, like they couldn't see what he could see. Mm. And then when he had to get a bit more intensive production to actually make some money from it, it became thing. It became lines and people recognized that it was lettuce and carrots and became a bit more accessible. Um, um, maybe that's just what you have to do to, to start with, just make things a bit more accessible and then you start step by step towards a, a different direction rather than being radical yeah. in, your, in your change. And I think radical change is very difficult for lots of people. So, you know, incremental change is what we do and so then you've got to reconcile yourself to things change slowly, maybe even generational change. And that's... Now that I'm older, I kind of accept that a bit easier than I could when you know 20 years ago. And you just like just want everything to change right now because mm. you can see everything's going down the plug hole real yeah, quick. Exactly. <laughs> so you want it, you want it to change now. But um, and I think there's an optimism as well sometimes that you yeah. get a little bit like not jaded by, but like yeah, you can get a bit. I don't know. The optimism can be a bit misleading sometimes and you know you know spending your time at at a at a thriving farmers market and within a thriving food community mm. can can make you quite optimistic and things like that but it doesn't take much to sort of step outside and find yourself in a place when you're like oh shit maybe I'm like maybe I'm sort of missing missing what's going on at scale here yeah that's right it, it definitely it definitely plays out we're, we're definitely in a bubble we love it mm. you know and yeah. there's this you know this great bubble that's hardly affected by covid um, it has some effects, but we because we're versatile, we can change, you know, and because we're small, it's not so critical. Um, you know, it's easy. As as much as our life is complex, it's also very simple and easy. So it's uh, you know, either way, it's it's hard to it's hard to predict where we're going, where it's all going. Mm. But I definitely, I I would say I feel that the mainstream are slowly cottoning on that we got to do better. Yeah. How do you how do you see I mean you mentioned the word generations but how do you mm. how do you see us and and this is something you've been a big a big part of um with the internships and stuff that you've done um fostering young people to become farmers like how yep. do you see I mean we're in pretty dire straits with the average age of a farmer in Australia. Yeah. Do you see Do you see that improving through your experience? I do. I do see it improving. And again, it's going to be really slow and change, but it's already changed. You know, where there's already um, younger people entering the marketplace 
it is like vegetable growing is kind of young person's work. You're like it's pretty hard physically. Mm. Um, you've got to be at it all the time, every day. You can't sort of, you know, skip it. You got to you got to dedicate yourself to it. But that also means it's only sort of feasible to few people because you kind of got to be a bit nutty. Yeah. To <laughs> to to have that kind of focus you know your your chef listeners will get it because there's a different kind of nut yeah but um (laughs) but you know you're gonna be mad Mm. so but there's lots of mad people out there and there's people that want to do good you know and this is uh and this also has so many benefits you know from a personal perspective of you know your physical health and being connected with nature and having lots of puzzles to figure out all the time and um and tangible work like you actually you're doing things like if you if you design a website for example it's just gone like you turn a computer off it doesn't exist yeah right? but here it's definitely there's life all around you and if you start with an empty paddock like we did and you can see that um you know you've got a increasing um ecological function that's happening because of what we've planted and how we plant it and how we look after the place and that's all very good for your soul um rather than sort of a declining desertifying paddock that you know is getting kicked up by dust you know windstorms and it, that's kind of on at the opposite end of the scale kind of hurts your soul mm. um so you know, I I feel like, and maybe by necessity also, you know, we might need to. You, we, this the last couple of years down here, it's been like uh, resilience has been identified by government departments as being able to produce more food locally. Mm. You know, and on a coast where there's not a whole lot of land and land's super expensive, then there has to be some sort of creative way um to get more people growing food and the young people are the people that are creative you know i've lost my creativity even though i'm still you know somewhat creative but not not like a young person that looks at with fresh eyes with different things and they've got you know different technologies and and different ideas about everything mm. you know so if push comes to shove necessity will mean that more people have to get involved Mm. Did you have you noticed a was there a, was there a sort of a market uptick in people engaging with the local food community following the fires and COVID? Oh, most definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, we um, especially with the COVID, when people not we weren't even in a lockdown kind of phase, but people wanted didn't want to go to the supermarket or out in public. It was a bit of a fear thing there. But, phone wouldn't stop ringing so we can you deliver vegetables to our place you know mm. um we want to sign up we know that you've been doing box delivery for a few years we want to sign up to it and it's like well we're fully subscribed anyway we can't help you out it's kind of like you can feel through the phone the sort of um sometimes resentment and sometimes just like anxiety you know like what am i going to do you know it's and we, we tried as much as we could and the farmers market stayed open the whole time. We just mm. we just changed the layout and made it made it slowed it down a little bit, you know. But um, it's the fire again. Definitely, we couldn't get to a lot of our customers. A few of our customers lost their houses. Um, but 
we some of them offered to donate their their boxes to down at the the um I don't know what you call it the relief centers and yeah, stuff that was like it, the relief center yeah um so we tried to do and the fruit and veg shop because the trucks weren't coming down the highway the fruit and veg shop was just going nuts and you know, we were driving a van in and it was going straight into the floor and out the front door so you know it was really big it was an amazing it was it was fascinating at that time when Woolworths in Maria there was nothing in yeah. the shop yeah nothing at all in the whole shop yeah but Southlands is full of food like yeah. the, the the local grocer Southlands is the grocer in Maria um is completely chock a block full of food yeah and people can still and go a lot and buy lines it. out the door and, and all that so you know that is it's a good, you know, like in a crisis that to have, I think I wrote an Instagram post about it, like how, how reliable we are, you know, we can be, you know, that, that industrial supply chain is fragile, you know, and a localised supply chain where we have people and families involved in, in connection is much more resilient and reliable to, to a healthy community function, you know. Mm. Cool. Um, I guess, like, I mean, we could sit here and talk for hours, it feels Good. like, but uh, sort of following that, actually, I'll go back to the internships and, yep. and, and stuff. Like, do you want to explain a little bit about what you did? You're still doing them now? Uh, we haven't done one for years, but we do have a young couple coming in October. Mm. So they'll be here for three months. Um, that's usually the term that we like some people stay for longer some people can't stay that long yeah but we work it out and so was that like when you started doing doing those was the initial was that that intention to to just you know share education foster young farmers that yeah, sort of thing the the motivation was that we um after we'd done it a little bit we could see how many mistakes we'd made for a start but also that it, it the potential viability of um uh doing running a small business like this for other people and that sort of coincided i mean we didn't occur to us to do it until someone rang us and said do you do that kind of stuff yeah right and then um and then i thought well we thought we could give it a go and it might be nice to have someone else around we'd, we'd have had um international visitors and australians as well uh through a program called HelpX. Mm. Um, and that was always we sort of always viewed that as fun you know if you're here just a couple working by yourself in the paddocks all day it you know come can be a bit stale and you lose your motivation a little bit and but you know if you get a young couple from france that want to engage with it, it sort of gives you a bit of spark it forces you to get out of bed and say this is what needs to be done today mm. and it also gives you someone to chat with as you're cultivating a row but so we always enjoyed and also the big benefit we got out of that one of the one of the top five is that the kids grew up with other people in the house that didn't speak english which <laughs> was really cool yeah that's cool and also our traveling australian couples quite a lot of them actually that might jump in a van and travel around australia and want to see different um farms or communities because they're looking to move out of the city yep and so those perspectives are at our dinner table of a night time and the kids really pick up on it, you know. And even now, you know, that 
they could run into someone, a Chinese person that doesn't have much English and they're not going to take the piss out of them. They're going to mm. say, oh, they're just going to slow down and use their hands and do whatever and they communicate like normal people, you know. And, mm. and that's really valuable, I reckon, mm. for tolerance and all sorts of things. But anyway, um, the intern thing come from that as well. It was like, well, it might be fun to have someone else, you know, with us. But also if they're – and that's always – we've always taken on – um, people that are definitely um, looking to do what we do or something like it. Mm-hmm. They might already have some land. They've got a good idea about who their market might be. Um, they already know how to grow a range of vegetables because they've had a backyard garden, but now they want to take it to a level and we can fill in a few gaps. It'll save them some money and 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 some time. Yeah. And so we've done that. And we haven't done it for years, but we've got a young couple again. Uh, they're from the Hunter Valley, so somewhere up there. Yeah, cool. And that's something that has, you know, it's been of use. There's quite a few small businesses out there that we've helped in some small way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you see them at the, at the markets, whether it's here or further yeah. up the coast or yeah. anything. Yeah, it's great to see. Um, all right, maybe lastly, but we'll yep. see how we go. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the process of making a living mm. as a family family farm um, yep. and, a, and a market gardener yep. because you've been doing it for 15 years now and you've figured out how to do it. Yep. Um, but like what, what are some of the huge things that sort of challenged you at the start and, and, and things that you're working on and the process of, of learning because – it takes, I mean, as you've proved, it's, it takes a long time to figure out how to do it yep. because it, everything's involved in it from how to, you know, take care of your land and what kinds of vegetables to grow, but also how many of each vegetable to grow and, and, and at the same time as, you know, running the production side of things, you also got to run a business and figure yep. and, and work with cash flow and, you know, do all the, do all the, the business accounting and the admin and, and, and that sort of stuff. So take us through a bit of that 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 learning curve, the challenges, um, mm. you know, and, and what are some of the maybe the moments where you where you start to feel like you're figuring it out? The the, the biggest issue that is going to make you doubt everything is your financial stress because you don't earn very much money. Well, you can. You can, earn, you can earn quite good money, but you've got to be really on it and you've got to be dedicated. And our – we've – what we do is kind of a life. We've sort of built our life around it rather than treat it like a job. Yeah. Um, but there's young growers out there that easily gross twice as much as we do, maybe even two and a half times. Um, but they are dedicated and switched on and they know their markets really well and they've got their systems down pat and they've, they've ranged their varieties on point. You have to be real. You have to dial everything really tight. Yeah. Um, and you have to be on it. You know, you can't. We're a bit because we because this is our life and our lifestyle. We don't work weekends and uh, we take a holiday each year. And and but that's that manifests itself in a reduced income. Like yeah. Than we do. But we're happy with that choice. Um. The 
there you, there's there's way when we started there was hardly any resources but there's heaps of resources now um there's american courses online you can do um there's heaps of um there's a, a great grower jody roebuck in in new zealand who has courses um that really dials in high turnover high production you know salads and and micros greens and and all that stuff's really quite profitable mm. um and but we don't do that because our community wants just straight up vegetables you yeah. know that you can eat and enjoy and that's what we do as well we like to we like to do that but there's lots of there's principle the principles are efficiency and time and knowing your market and looking after your soil and and um running a tight ship really mm. and if you can do all those things and and focus on it and not be distracted then you'll do okay it's good it's good but having said that our overheads are low we don't have um when we bought this place it was 450,000 around about yeah um which is a you know we probably could if you add a bit and you know let's say your mortgage is going to be and now you're not going to find a block for that but you know if let's say your mortgage now is kind of like 800 grand yeah um interest rates are almost nothing so that's okay but still you got to you got to get that money back from vegetables is not so easy especially when it's so variable right like mm. you, you lose a, a, a flood washes it all away and you got to it's going to be 12 weeks before you can get anywhere near back on track and that's a that's a big time frame to not pay your mortgage right mm. or your rent if you're paying rent so land affordability is a huge issue yeah um like I said earlier, like, we're going to have to get creative about how we do this, but I think people can be. It's just going to it's going to be hard, you know. In the short term, it's going to be hard. The reliability of the weather is going to have a huge impact on people's resilience to this. Mm. You know, even us, you know, for the last two years, um, you, you know, going through a drought, so declining income through a drought and then a fire period where, you know, you, you, we lose crops to ash damage and uh, supply chains um, and then a coronavirus pandemic that continues and ha- you're having to spend more effort trying to figure out where your markets are and then and then we, we had a really good spring but then we had a hailstorm that wiped us out in, in on Boxing Day and then after that it just was wet all the time yeah. and no sunshine and all that kind of stuff over a couple of years we could probably handle another bad summer but only just would be scraping mm. at the end of that mm. so that you know a do lot you, of people you, especially if you're young and you're starting out and you're paying rent mm. and you don't have the we've got the luxury of being able to plan you know 20-year time frames. You can't do that if you're on a five-year lease. Mm. Um, so you you got to – we we have the luxury of being able to build a buffer all the time, but if you get three bad years in a row, like that buffer is going to wear out, you know. So do you – like when it comes to what you guys do, do you, you, you build those contingencies for – you know, natural events and yep. things like that into yep. into your model. Yeah, that's for sure. Always. Isn't the business plan has always got to have, you know, a certain percentage of the growth just goes away. Yeah, and that 
and that's huge for your financial stress. Like it means if the gearbox blows up, which it did a couple of years ago, you can just go get it fixed. You don't have to think about not not doing something else mm. to try and make those ends meet over there. Yeah. You know, building those buffers is really critical. But that's, I mean, that, you know, people, anyone on a household budget knows that that's what you've got to do. Yeah. It's just really, it's just so hard to do it um, when you're so at the mercy of the, of yeah. the elements, you know, like on a. Well, that, that's the variables that get thrown in that, you know, that you've just got to learn to deal with. And we used to, it used to beat us up, but now it's kind of like you, you know, that hailstorm, for example, the next day, all three of us are just out there. You know, turning things over, sowing seeds, just getting back into it. You know, yeah. And it it is a bit of a gut punch sometimes. You're like, oh man, that's you know, that was forty grand probably in that hailstorm. Yeah, right. And Fucking um, hell. and a lot of that was cream because you know, most of, by then most of our our expenses for the year are taken care of, so that's all you know on the top. And you don't have it. It's kind of like, oh, really hurts. But. But you kind of just got to get back into it. Otherwise, what else are you going to do, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you do get your days where you think, oh, I'll just go get a job. Especially when you see someone in the company car on 120 grand, you think, oh, that could be me. Yeah, and that's... you're knocking off at five o'clock. <laughs> exactly. It's this constant thing. I've, I, I face the same thing. Like, I'm essentially a freelancer now and it's yeah. like... Like I look at all my all my mates who you know have you know good places and mortgages and nice cars and and those sorts of things and and like the one thing that I envy is actually knowing how much money I make. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I don't actually kind of know. Yeah. How much money I make? Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just sort of skim off the side every now and then when you need it. But the um, <laughs> the 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 financial stress is well outweighed by all the good that you know this this job has attached to it you know yeah. it's really really uh good like like i said earlier like being in outside in nature sort of close observation of a particular place is awesome um all the challenges you it's like i've got puzzles every day you got to figure out you got tangible work. You got like a people feedback in your communities like that taste. That spinach we had this week was awesome, you know. And I and photos. People send us photos. This is what I did with your King Brussels last week. Um, all that uh, appreciation of what we do. Um, you know, being we're at home all the time for the kids. We're not sort of having to. You know, they they know where we are. We're just here. Um, they can come and chat with us or we can go then we eat really well we we're in fine health you know all these things that um you know financial stress is just one part of it Mm. that you've got to learn to manage the rest of it is awesome yeah 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 um lastly this will be the last thing okay but i i think that um Definitely like for here on the South Coast where we are, I think the Sage Farmers Markets and the local food community here has been, you know, like it's it's such an oasis of a of a of a wonderful food community, mm. really, like mm. and pushed forward by by the people and by Sage Farmers Markets. Do you wanna just because there's I think there's a lot of people who listen to this who don't really know the difference between i mean there's people in the cities who you know they might shop at farmers markets and and all that sort of thing and um you know i mean i even notice in in wollongong which 
is ripe for a proper farmer's market. We don't have one. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, there's Kayama, which yeah. is a proper farmer's market and that's on um, Wednesday Arvos. But not many people travel from Wollongong go go down no. there to try to buy their veggies. It's no, too it's far. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and so people are a little bit – I don't think people understand what – what can be achieved in in a in a food community like we have here? So, do you want to tell us a bit about how the markets play a role and and what Sage does and and also sort of I guess the community of growers and and the liaison that you guys have between each other yep. and all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, where to start there? I mean, we've had that sort of. I was involved with Sage from the beginning, and we've all the the. Obviously, like any volunteer organisation, the committee revolves and changes and it goes up and down in its fortunes. But the primary focus has always been to establish a, a, a community of people that can eat good food and provide good food. It goes around. It's all about local food economy, really, if you narrow it down. And that that has many, many facets. The The... Sage itself has people that lobby council and state government, and uh, runs a community garden and has like an outreach for we. Um, one of the ladies takes uh, food up to the women's and the children's refuge. Um, there's a really great program that gets uh, gardens built in people's backyards that can't afford to maybe eat at the farmers' markets. They can grow their own, mm-hmm. but they yeah. So that's all set up for them. There's lots of things to that. The farmer's market of which is just one aspect. Um, and from our perspective, a farmer's, car- farmer's market is also just one outlet. You can't – and a lot of people might not rely – may not be able to rely on that one outlet, certainly only about 50% of our income. Um, so you've got to have – you've got to sort of spread yourself out a bit. But, I mean – Having a council, you need you need some support from your local council because they're the people that can talk up the area. They, you know, it's a, as a place, as a rural community. Mm. Um, farmers markets are fickle for a grower, and not a, not many farmers have social skills that they would suit farmers markets. You need to be able to engage with the customer and talk with them, and not be frustrated by them. And um, even though all those things happen anyway. But some people just don't suit farmers markets. They're cranky, or they or they they want to be back in the paddock. They don't want mm. to be talking to people. <laughs> so you know, it's it's a mix. The farmers market has to be part of a mix, but it also has to be worthwhile for the producer. We can't, for us, we can't have a fortnightly market or the first Saturday in the month. It just the cucumbers get need picking four days a week, mm. and they're going to keep coming no matter if you've got a farmers market or not. Mm. So. You know, you've got to sort out a market that will suit that. Um, we had a Saturday market and it was good, but it was saturated. Or they they couldn't see the need for any more growers. So Sage Farmers Market started because it wanted to. We needed more food. Like you, you, you can't feed. I don't know how many people in Maria. Four thousand or seven thousand or around there. Mm. And then within half an hour drive, there's 14,000 people. They all need to eat. Mm. You can't – we can't feed all of those people. We can feed a, a fraction of them, but there's so much room if you can get some of those people out of their habit at the supermarket and into flavour, mm. then 
there's room to grow and, and people are finding the niches, you know, borrowed ground down the road. Um, they got their, they do very similar to what we do, but they, they grow different things, which is great. Mm. You know, we can, we can work together. Actually, all, all of our growers, all the growers there, we're of a scale that we can work with each other and we don't treat each other as competition, more collaborators, you know, and, mm. If someone's growing really good garlic, we'll maybe just let them grow the good garlic and we'll grow something else, you know? Mm. And that's that. So there's many factors that make it work for our local community. Um, it also helps that this part of the world grows good dairy and we've got a seafood um, industry and uh, shellfish industry and all those things mean that our farmer's market can offer someone the full shop. Yep. You can get your bread and your milk and your cheese and your vegetables and your meat and your honey and your oysters and the fish. And so your whole fresh food shop can be done in the one place. That's a pretty big thing. That's huge. Yeah. If you if you have to go to the farmer's market and then go to the baker and then go to the butcher, then it becomes less convenient mm. and then more of a hassle. Um, our town's small enough that it's not that much of a hassle, but if you were much bigger and you had to find a parking spot and all that, it would soon the gloss wears off mm. so being a, being a, able to be a one-stop shop is pretty important i think that's i think that's the common factor in all successful farmers markets yeah. that i've come across yeah um and i think canberra is a good example with a with a couple there that that, yeah. that are really good and a few other ones but i think that there's there seems to be this this sort of that's that's the hardest thing when people are starting farmers markets is 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 having a place and getting to it, getting it consistent enough like running over a long enough period with enough growers and enough producers providing the whole the whole mix to get people to realize and make it that's that habit thing yeah. you know to get people to to realize that if I if I just go to go to this place on a Tuesday avo and I can get my shop done there rather than having to go to the supermarket and yeah. and get it all done but was it was it a difficult process to get there in the first instance um no it's actually probably easy to start it's difficult to maintain right but um the starting it was all it was very well received from the outset okay and um and a lot of those customers have just continued on. You know? yeah. And so we, there's, there's two of the growers there at markets that we had um, an already established clientele from the Saturday market. So, yeah. you know, that sort of came across as well. But, you know, it's enhanced by all the other producers. Mm. And we all work together, which is really great. And we're all sort of, because we're all from the same area, we're not coming from different areas mm. to the same area. But it, it's... Um, the Maria, the sage market is limited by geography. You can only come if you live within 160 k's, but you wouldn't come more than that anyway because it's not financially viable to do so. Yeah. So it ends up being quite a close market. And I, and I, I guess it's the part of the world, you know. Like I said, it's dairy, it's seafood, everything's here, you know. It can grow. It's a great part of the world yeah. to be able to grow all sorts of things. Yeah. Blueberries, summer fruit. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's great. If you've never been to the Sage Farmers Market on a Tuesday Arvo in Maria on the south coast, definitely, definitely worth a visit. Fraser, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it? No, mate. This is uh, it's good. Good to have a chat. I'm happy you called in, Steph. Yeah, no worries. All right. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate.
Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm